Good evening, everybody, and welcome to On Texas Football's Sunday Night Live Stream. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every Sunday night by Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton, both of On3 and InsideTexas.com. And uh, guys, I mean, we are full swing into practices. It, what We're just a handful of weeks away from real games. But Saturday was practice number four for the Longhorns. So uh, what, what's some of the intel that y'all gathered, you know, from being there or talking to people, whatever it may be, that you think people need to know? Well, I, I think that, you know, the first three practices, I'll, I'll just go out and say this. I mean, I, I was unimpressed somewhat with uh, uh, Colin, Alfred Collins. And I heard uh, Saturday night he had maybe his best practice as a Longhorn. Wow. So um, maybe maybe something's changing. Uh, but I heard he got after it all all night long, uh, had some uh, tremendous plays. Uh, we'll see where it ends up. Uh, the offensive line is still uh, in makeshift order of sorts right now. They're trying a number of different combinations uh, and a number of different players uh, right now. But uh, long story short, the biggest news for me based out of what I got uh, on Saturday night is that Alfred Collins uh, played extraordinarily well or extremely well. And he is, you know, he, he may end up being a force after all. So it, at the same time, consistency, that's something that everybody needs, right, Jerry? You know, I, I think it's interesting. Some guys are not good drills guys, right? I mean, I remember TJ Ford used to tell me, I hate practice. I hate practice. I hate practice. Right. The drills part of practice. But then when it goes 11 on 11, right, in football or five on five in basketball, some of those guys are just a little different. I, I, I tend to think that's what Alfred Collins is, and I tend to think that's why he's been an inconsistent player, right, Bobby? It's just that inconsistency. Um, it's got to get more, Jerry. Got to get, get more consistent. Easy. We always hear the flashes. Um, but here's the thing with him. And we had Nathan O'Neill on the show, and he, he was talking about Alfred Collins. And, um, and Nathan O'Neill, I think, is the best D-line trainer going in the business. Um, he's up in the Frisco area, has a number – coaches the Vaughn Miller Pass Rush Academy. has a number of pros he works with. He had Coburn, some of those guys for pre-draft this year, Will Anderson, uh, Jalen Carter, go down the list. And, um, you know, he thinks Alfred Collins could be one of those come out of nowhere to second or third round type of picks if wow. he puts it together this year. That's how talented he is. So we'll see. Texas fans have been waiting on it. Hell, I've been talking about it for three years, so I'm sick of talking about it, Bobby. It's well, time to show I, I, I know you're probably happy that I said something positive about him, right? Yes. Yeah, that, that's probably a, a, a good thing as well. I'm off the hook uh, for three the, weeks. The first four days of practice are now in the books. They go again tomorrow morning, uh, by the way. It will not be open to the media, uh, but Steve Sarkeesian will speak to the media following practice around 11 a.m. Uh, we'll make sure we have some of that for you guys. Uh, as well. Uh, but uh, look, long story short, Texas uh, going after it pretty hard right now. Uh, they were off today. Uh, the team was. And so they start back at it tomorrow morning. A lot of recruiting news going on as well right now, Blake. Uh, we talked about that uh, in other videos. Uh, that's going to be a focal point now uh, as well with not only Colin Simmons making his decision on August 10th, but some other guys we think might be narrowing in or closing in on the decision like Dominic McKinley, McKinley out of uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, Wardell Mack out of Marrero, Louisiana, a uh, bunch of guys uh, starting to get that itchy feeling a little bit. I think TJ Lindsay, we think might be getting close as well. 
So uh, it's it's one of those things where we're on the precipice, maybe, of learning a little bit more about this recruiting class. And one other thing I wanted to ask y'all about, because I haven't seen anything reported, but, you know, all through the week, we heard injury-free, injury-free, injury-free. Is that still the case as of 7.08 on Sunday night? <laughs> I, I can't tell you that for sure. I can tell you through three it was fine. Jonathan Brooks missed three, uh, missed the third practice, but it was with an illness. It wasn't, you know, a strained anything. It was just an illness. Um, but I do not know that for sure after practice four. Uh, haven't heard anything, though, Blake. Just keep that in mind. Haven't heard anything. That doesn't mean something hasn't happened uh, because sometimes that is not the first information that gets comes my way, right? Uh, the, the good news usually comes first. And, and by the way, um, somebody asked, we have pads on yet? Meaning Texas have pads on yet? Yes, Saturday was the uh, uh, first day in full pads. There you go. That was actually going to be my first question since we were talking about it. But let's get to some questions, guys, and plenty of time to get more in. So be sure to do that. Uh, let's see here. We got tweeting with teats. Yeah. <laughs> it says, with elite perimeter blocking from AD, Jaywit, Nayor, and JT this season, will Sark take full advantage of this by using more screens and quick passes to Worthy and our running backs? I think so. And it won't just be because of the elite uh, elite blocking. Uh, I think it's because he needs to get his – look, Bijan was number one playmaker a year ago, right? That was out of the backfield. So he did catch some passes, all this other stuff. But his elite playmakers right now, even though I think Jonathan Brooks is good and Cedric Baxter is going to be good, maybe Jaden Blue, maybe Savion Red, maybe Keelan Robinson. I think the strength of the team is that wide receiver. So I think that whether it's – Blocking, I don't know if that's the big issue as much as it is. These are the guys that are that score touchdowns. That that's that's where I'm at. Jerry, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh look, I, I think the more of a downfield presence you have, um, the more it opens up the entire field, right? Um, and yes, I do think we're gonna see more quick passes screens to wide receivers because I don't think they want to run as many to Jatavion Sanders, right? I mean, that is the whole deal there. When Sark said we were had to run too many of those for Sanders last year, that's telling as to where they thought their hand was forced versus, versus what they actually want to do in the scheme. So that's something I'm definitely looking for this year. Less of those to Sanders, more of those to the wides. All right, guys, we have a super chat real quick. We're going to change subjects for just a second. And I assume he's going to be talking about Colin Simmons here, but this is from Rich Thompson. Thank you, Rich. And he says, do not tell me we got NIL'd by LSU. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. I mean, look, if um, if Colin picks LSU on Thursday, I look, it's where Colin wants to be. Yeah, I, I want to say this. Jerry, this is the, the point that I, I think – I try to get this. Everybody's money is the same color. Yep. <laughs> you know, it, it's that's that's what people have to understand. So ultimately, guys like Colin Simmons, they're going to have opportunities everywhere. Correct. So it's not that somebody outbid or did, that's not that's not what's going on here. It, it's ultimately about where Colin Simmons wants to be. Um, and I think that it's down to Texas and LSU. We had had uh, Shay Dixon on from the BengalTiger.com earlier today to talk about this ultimately it's where he wants to be what does he want to be in austin with a bunch of friends that he's made and had since growing up does he want to go down to lsu because he likes it down there better 
you know, th those are things that Jerry and I can't actually answer for him or, or for you and let you guys know, because we don't know the answer as of yet. Um, we've seen confidence on both sides. That continues to be the case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Here's what I can tell you. Miami feels like they're out. I'm not saying they've been told they're out. They feel like they're out, which makes sense because I said that would be one of the shocks of all time for my years in this business. It would be like Alfred Collins's mom taking off with his letter of intent down in Fort Lauderdale years ago when he won the sign with Arkansas. It would have been a shock to me if Colin ended up at Miami. We're back where we were um, the whole time with this recruitment. Um, and so, look, it's I, I agree with Bobby. It's it's not it's not a NIL uh, deciding factor. I, I don't think the guys who are at that profile, like Bobby said, they're going to have great opportunities everywhere, everywhere they go. I mean, if they're smart, they're going to have great opportunities everywhere they go. If they have the right circle of people around them, um, you know, this is to, to me is just it's like Bobby said, it's getting down to where does Colin want to be at the end of the day and. Or do him and his circle have the same idea of where he wants to be? Yeah, good point. And you said Alfred Collins. You meant Alex, Alf, uh, Alex Collins, right? Oh, sorry, Alex Collins. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the running back out of, I think it was Central, Miami Central, maybe? Uh, for Plantation. That's what it was. Okay. Well, while we're on the subject of Colin Simmons, guys, we have a question here from Fresh Prince 512, and he says, different positions, but is Colin Simmons a better high school prospect than Harold Perkins? Yeah, different positions, so it makes it a little tough for me. Um, I think they're similar in their explosive ability to disrupt the game. Harold Perkins was a running back safety linebacker at Cy Park. Colin Simmons has come a blur off the edge at Duncanville. Uh, 22 and a half sacks last year, right? Um, so they're different. Harold Perkins is more of a linebacker naturally because he's played safety he's seen the game a different way I think Harold Perkins also from an explosive open up the hips and run it is on a level you don't see many 210 pound guys coming out of high school uh, but I think they're different but I think Colin as a pass rusher is about as good as you'll see as far as raw skills and then one more, what I assume is another Colin Simmons-related question. This is a super chat from Major Alexander. Thank you, Major. And he says, who is the guy we get if he doesn't commit? <laughs> um, look, I mean, the uh, I put out something on Inside Texas, uh, kind of resetting the defensive recruiting board two days ago, Saturday. And I think there's four edges right now on the board. It's it's Colin Simmons. It's Zeno Mayozulo. It's Danny Okoye and it's Solomon Williams out of Carrollwood Day who made that late July uh, two-day visit to Austin. He's supposed to come back for an official visit during the season. Right now, those are your four guys at the high school level. Um, now, will somebody else pop up? That's always possible. Will the coaching carousel open a door? That's always possible if Texas is in a position where they still need or want a guy um, closing in on November, December. All right. Well, before we get to more questions, Bobby, I'm going to kick it over to you and let you tell everybody about the Crossoak Group. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Blake, uh, guys, uh, the Sunday night live stream and on Texas football is brought to you by the Crossoak Group. Crossoak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business with decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, 
CrossOak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. That's www.crossoakgroup.com. We appreciate their sponsorship of the Sunday night live, live stream. Uh, well, Jerry, I said one more call and send this question and I'll lie to you. Now, no, one no, more. No, we, there's going to be 30 more. We still <laughs> hey, it's okay. go. <laughs> Zachary Delgado says, is Colin Simmons a day one starter in college? As an early enrollee, um, I mean, if he picks Texas, I'd certainly say it's possible. Yes. And that's not a shot at anybody that's already at Texas. I think he's an elite, elite pass rush prospect. Now, does that mean starter? Does that mean he is the best natural pass rusher from day one? I think that's a yes for sure. Yeah, and here's the other issue there, Jerry, right? 30 snaps a game is maybe what you want at, for a freshman, right? You don't necessarily want to play 75 snaps yeah. at that position as you're getting stronger, getting bigger, and developing into your body. There's there's just a little difference there on what you really want. Uh, we got some more Super Chats rolling in about Colin Simmons. So I'm going to just go ahead and jump over to those. Uh, triplet Joseph 44, and a huge thank you to him, says, with everyone on the UT side being very conservative and LSU reporters being vocal, it seems like he has everyone where he wants them. Are LSU reporters overconfident? If you had a freebie, would you remove your pick, Jerry? Blake, would you remove your RPM? He's asking you, right? No, I don't have any <laughs> RPMs in, so you can't put me on the spot. <laughs> I want to be the host. Uh, I'm going to try. Um, look, I don't know. I don't know if LSU reporters are being vocal. I think. Look, I think this is it. This recruitment is – this is what makes the business fun for me. I know Texas fans attack me when I say that. But, look, there's a lot – there's confidence on the Texas side. Where Shay and I were talking about this. A lot of picks for Texas in our industry. A lot of picks on the Texas side. A lot of picks for LSU in our industry on the LSU side. That obviously means that Colin Simmons is telling a lot of people what they want to hear. And I'm not saying reporters. I'm talking staffs. And you know what? If I'm Colin Simmons, that's exactly what I'm doing. If I want to have my moment uh, and I hold all the cards and I'm one of the few guys uh, with the status that that holds all the cards, that's what I'm doing. If I want to have my moment. So, I, I look, I don't think uh, people, a lot of people think, well, Colin, Colin's probably telling both people yes. Well, that's fine. I mean, that's recruiting. Um, look, I've always said the uh, if kids really want to have their moment, the worst thing they can do is call the losing staffs the night before. Then it's going to get out. I feel like, look, I and I don't know if you would use a freebie here or not. I, I don't know that that's really how that works. But my thought on it, uh, Joseph, is that they're not overconfident. We're not. I mean, right. I don't think the Texas reporting group is overconfident at this point. I think that the reality of it is, is that the young man's most likely made his decision. And yes. we don't know which way it is at this point. And so. You know, I know that that is not necessarily what Texas fans want to hear. That's not what LSU fans want to hear either. Um, but that's the way it is. Some of these guys, they, to Jerry's point, they said they hold the cards. Colin Simmons hold the cards. That's that's the way it is. I mean, we, uh, we went we went and we had a announcement yesterday. KJ Bolden, okay, one of the top mm -hmm. safeties in the country. An hour and a half before the announcement, people really didn't know which way it was going to go between FSU and Auburn. And that's the way some of these recruitments go down. That doesn't mean a kid doesn't have his decision made, though. There's a difference between the two, just so we're all clear. 
Okay, well, we have another super chat regarding the subject, and it's from KD35. I am the best. And he says, so when do we start seeing picks start coming in for Simmons that are non-Texas and LSU mods? That's when some more clarity might trickle out. Or do you even see them? You know, if it is, it's the day before um, and, and the years in this business, right? It's normally at 24 hours before. Um, like I said, you know, and I'm, I'm not sitting here telling Colin Simmons what to do, but I can tell you this, if I was a recruit, I, you know, the, the, the mistake that kids make is telling them, and I know you want to thank the staffs for everything. Worst thing you can do is tell people the night before where you're going or where you're not going. Unless, unless you're doing it at 8 a.m. the next morning. Right. Let, let, let's be clear. Well, I mean, there's some value that. in that. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it's a 2 p.m. announcement, a 1.30 call for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I, I've been around where, where, they, where staff's got no call. I think that's, that's, that's what I disagree with. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, those, those guys have recruited you for a long time. Uh, giving them a heads up so they, they don't have egg on their own face uh, when something happens is, is the way that it should go, in my opinion. Yeah. All right, I'm going to use this as a segue to get out of this Colin Simmons talk for a little bit. And it's from Triplet Joseph following up on his super chat. And he says, that's a rare commitment nowadays. That's why I love recruiting. <laughs> I love the soap opera of, of recruiting, the ups and downs and following it from the really the start. Um, that I appreciate that comment. We appreciate the super chat too, Joseph. And Oh, we got another one that just popped up, and it's from Kabir Hussein, and he says, do we end up with two-plus five-star players without Colin Simmons? I just thought two I was looking at it. Two-plus two would be a stretch because that means you that, – that gets in the territory where you start got to start hitting three or four, right? I mean, that's hard to do with five-star prospects. Um, could Texas still get two? Yeah, I could see that. Okay, well, let's talk about the defensive end position minus Colin Simmons for a minute. And uh, J.K. J.K. has a question, and he says, do you think the defensive ends are being perceived as worse than they really will be based on the fact that they have been going against probably a top five tackle duo in the country? Um, I'll take that one, guys. Yeah. I, I, I don't think so. I mean, Jerry watched him as well as I did. Um, I don't see that. I mean, I think that, first of all, Baron Sorrell's good. So he, I'm not perceiving him as worse than what he is or anything like that. Um, he's He said point blank he's going for 10 sacks this year. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian put the number eight would be good. He is at five and a half last year. Going up to eight would be a good year, right? Uh, Barron's reaching a little higher than that. It's the other end that I – look, Ethan Burke will be a different player at the end of this year than he is at the beginning of this year, okay? More seasoning – more time to gain weight, all of that stuff. But he's not there yet. That Baron Sorrell wasn't there yet at this time a year ago either, by the way. Remember, I mean, he, he came on and got better and better as the year went on. So um, I don't think, and, and based on when I watched him, I got to say this, it wasn't necessarily in one-on-ones versus the opponent against the opposing tackles. Like it wasn't against Calvin Banks and um, uh, Christian Jones. It was against other tackles. It was against air that just what they look like physically and what they could hold up against. Ethan Burke's still a slightly built guy right now. He's got the bone structure to get bigger. He's just not very, not very heavy right now. 
And then on a somewhat related question, Bobby, we're going to go to this one from Michael. Oh, I'm going to butcher this last thing. I'm just going to call him Michael M. And he says, between depth and secondary and number of highly touted athletic yet inexperienced edge players, do we see improvement in sack numbers? Does somebody step up? I think they do. I think it's too many, too much talent on the board. Um, I Look, really like Byron Murphy, really like um, Tavondre Swell, like By Baron Sorrell. Those guys are all a year older. Jalen Ford's going to get some. I think they're going to put Anthony Hill in position to do it. They're going to blitz Jade Barron. They're going to use Ryan Watts. I think you get to the quarterback more this year. I, I really do. Plus, Michael, I go back to what P PK, Pete Kwiatkowski said on Tuesday at the, the press conference. We emphasized the four things we emphasized, getting people on the ground, getting the quarterback on the ground is one of them. Third down, fourth down, and then negative plays, I think. Or third down, fourth down, and I can't remember the other one. I think it was uh, pressure of some sort. Oh, no, turnovers. Turnovers, sacks, third and fourth down. Those are the big priorities this year. When coaches say that, just like they did a year ago, they said, we got to get more pressure. Well, guess what? In the offseason, they figured out a way to get more pressure last year. They said, we need to get more people on the ground this year. I think they're going to find a way to get more, more people on the ground this year. I, I want to say something, too, because we we talked about this uh, during earlier in the summer, I think June probably, when we had some of these discussions. Texas on the interior to D-line may not be quite as stout against the run without Coburn and Ojimo. I think they're going to be better from a disruptive pass rush standpoint, though, with while Byron Murphy isn't super twitchy, he's twitchy enough combined with the motor and the leverage. Alfred Collins can be a straight up disruptor pass rusher. Um, then you can have throw in Jeray Bledsoe, who's coming on. Bobby, that's the other guy we've heard is starting to really come on uh, Saturday. He had a really good practice. Um, so, look, I think you may have more interior pass rush this year versus guys that were more strong against the run last year. Is that where you come out, Bobby? Yeah, I, I think that certainly like Ovio Gufu, for example, he was not a good pass rusher. I think he had one and a half sacks last year. Okay. Not now he, he was a better run stopper than anybody else they had out there to put out there. Ethan Burke, if they just wanted to get after the passer, would have been a better pass rusher last year than Ovio Gufu. So, I think that's addition by subtraction this year from a pass rushing standpoint, not necessarily, not necessarily from a, a uh, run stopping. Jeray Bledsoe, same same scenario for me. That, that's hey, what I'm talking about. Hey, Blake, uh, Dodgers988 yeah. fan said, I heard from someone that on through LSU Mata said LSU uh, has kind of lost confidence. Uh, I, you know, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure that's true. Um, I, I don't think that's true. I don't think the mods have lost confidence on the LSU side. Well, guys, let's jump over to the other side of the ball for a moment. Uh, this question from Stevie McClinton. Do you think we see A.D. Mitchell in the slot and Nayor and Worthy on the outside in a package this season? I didn't see that at all in the first three days, but that doesn't mean Steve Sarkeesian doesn't come up with something. Um, right now, Whittington and DeAndre Moore are the inside receivers in the slot. Um, Nayor is on the outside, uh, with Mitchell. Jonte Cook is playing. He's getting Jonte Cook is the one that's getting cross trained, guys. He one day he's lined up behind Xavier Worthy, the next day he's lined up behind AD Mitchell. 
I think they're trying to find a way to get him on the field in different areas. I don't think they're thinking about moving A.D. Mitchell around at this point. And that leads me to my next question, which is a super chat. And uh, it's from UT boy, Jerry. I knew that was going to make you smile. And he says, I think it's about time we acknowledge Jonte and what he brings to the team. Your thoughts? Look, I think here's the thing. One of the things that I I posted on some post uh, media window thoughts was there's two receivers on this team that stand out in terms of just quickness. And when I say quickness, I'm talking gear up, gear down, separate, and can do it multiple times, can be good, um, just really good double move route runners, right? That's worthy, and that's Cook. And there's two things I, I've always said with wideouts I look for, ability to separate, and you got to catch it once you do. I mean, so guys who can create separation are going to get have opportunities on the field. And Sark said, one of the things that's interesting, Sark's never really – run a lot of rotation of wide receivers, right? But we're also in a different day and age of college football. We have to understand that. But also Texas has a lot more talent, the wide receiver position this year. And guys like John Tay Cook and DeAndre Moore, you have to get them game seasoning. It can't just be practice seasoning. Those guys are going to play because if we're sitting here talking about Texas could lose uh, they will lose Whittington. They could lose A.D. Mitchell, and they could lose Worthy to the NFL draft after this year. You know the Texas staff is saying it in the offices, prepping for games in this season. Uh, so John Tay Cook's going to get opportunities, and that could be um, at wide receiver and in the punt return game. I, I want to say this. I want to add one thing for you, Jerry, to this conversation about you talking about – I like how you explain creating separation, gear up, gear down, and then, you know, dart one way or the other, right, and, and be able to do that. The other guy that does it pretty well um, already, is, or not already, is A.D. Mitchell. Yes. But he does it differently in that he actually gets going what seems like about 95%, and then he leaves 5% in the tank about right. 20 yards down the field. Yeah. Or when he runs a slant, he explodes through the catch. That 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 is a he's got a little different kind of gear, if that makes sense to you. So when you're talking about that and, and when fans hear that, I want them to also to think of A.D. Mitchell a little bit like that, but not in the same exact way. Right. Like he's the guy that is faster after eight yards than he is five. You know, and, it's like, and, and to your point, Bobby, what he has too, he's got that extra long stride when he needs it, right? He can stride out a little bit to your point. And, and he, that is a great quality to have when you need to have that little extra gear, as you call it, maybe that extra long stride to get those arms to the football and accelerate. Well, let's jump back over to the other side of the ball now. This super chat is from Opethian. I hope I'm saying that right. Thank you. And he says, is uh, David Benda actually assignment sound now? An IT article stated that he was comfortably in the lead at will. That makes me concerned based on the past. Uh, you and me both a little bit. I mean, you know, it, it, I'm in the prove it until you, you, you do it. I mean, I, my point being David's had, I, David Bend has had problems with that before, um, overrunning plays, uh, in particular, to be honest. Um, so I, I'm interested to see what happens there. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens at will in general. The, uh, Opethian is correct. Inside Texas reported today, Eric Nalene, but, published an article saying that right now David Benda is the starter at will with Maurice Blackwell 
uh, and uh, Anthony Hill comfortably in at, at the Sam position, uh, but they're going to move Hill all around. Uh, Benda uh, is clearly the guy that, that knows the plays the best. I mean, he's been around the longest, although I think that Blackwell and Hill are that m- the more uh, disruptive of the group. And so we'll see how it goes. But uh, I, Opethian, you're asking a good question. And until we see him in actual scrimmages, until we see him try to take on a track, I mean, there's all kinds of things, right? Um, I, I agree with you. So I, I, I wish I could have an answer, but we don't have one. Okay, guys, we're going to switch gears back to recruiting for a second. This question from Blackwind. Does Oregon going to the Big Ten help with the recruitment of Brandon Baker? I think that's actually a great question. Um, look, the, the answer right now is I don't have that 100% answer. Uh, but I can tell you this. Um, it's a lot better for Oregon than not being able to answer the question of where you're going to be playing. I mean, I know that's a simple answer, but then it gets down to where did Brandon Baker take his official visit? So he took Georgia, he took Texas, he took Ohio State. He's got one scheduled in Nebraska. So this is coming down to the SEC Big Ten. So absolutely it helps Oregon. Is it enough to overcome the turnover in the offensive line coaching there? And not due to Dan Lanning's fault, just a turnover uh, in offensive line coaching that his brother went through. Um, uh, so that, that's going to be the question, right? Does he want to do something different? That's another question in the recruitment. I think, uh, I think Texas has done very well with the family there. The key, I think a big key, if Brandon Baker goes on with this recruiting process and he goes, makes that official visit to Nebraska, September 16th, uh, Deandre Carter from modern day, uh, offensive guard of four stars scheduled to be in Austin on the 30th for the Kansas game. Can Texas get Brandon Baker back in that weekend unofficially with Deandre Carter? I think that if this recruitment continues on that long, I think that's going to be key for Texas. That that would be big because he's a, he is a five-star as well, Jerry. And yeah. those two were high school teammates. I, I want to add something to you, Jerry, and ask you this question actually, because it comes from the inside Texas message board. Um, and that is with, Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten. Do you think that changes recruiting for anybody in particular that Texas is going up against right now? Other than Baker, I can't really think of anybody else that they're kind of kicking the same doors on right now. Can you? No, no, I mean, not really. Um, You know, Christian Clark's decided, right? Uh, But I think he was going to Texas anyways. Um, Who am I to bet against to shard choice? Uh, You know, that (laughs) seems like a loss. but, you know, I, I think it's interesting more moving forward, Bobby, because I'm, I'm looking at we know Sark wants to have a footprint in California, especially Southern California. Is California now a Big Ten state? It just doesn't feel right. It's but true. It is. There's no doubt it is. Stanford and Calland up there, too. Right. I mean, so. But does that mean kids in droves? from beautiful Southern California weather going to go play in the Big Ten? I don't know that. I almost think it may open up the state even more than it has been in years past because the SEC still has pool. All these kids grow up the same. They've grown up watching the SEC dominate. So unless you're just locked into playing at USC, there's a lot of SEC. There's been more SEC movement out West in in recent years than ever before. I mean, you have a thought on that, Bobby? I mean, I, think- I, I, I don't I haven't thought about it deeply enough. Um, my initial thing, my initial thought is that California will become more competitive. Yeah. Period. 
It does give Washington and Oregon uh, more ammo in California than they already had when they were playing in a lame duck league. Right. Uh, but that is not really any different than they had a year ago when the Pac-10 was actually still the Pac-10 or yeah. Pac-12, whatever you want to call it at that time. So um, I, I'm interested also how Arizona, Arizona State, Utah yeah. start recruiting the state of Texas along with Colorado. Hey, it definitely helps Arizona State's recruiting. I mean, they have Rashad Samples and Brian Carrington on that staff. It definitely helps Arizona State because they were already putting more resources into Texas than ever before, and they've always recruited the state. And I think it definitely helps Utah. Morgan Scally and the Utes have made a living recruiting defensive players out of the Houston area, and now they get a different calling card in recruiting. All right, Jerry, we got a 2025 question from you. This one comes Perfect. from James JJ. And he says, Ryan Williams or DeCorian Moore? Who's the top wide receiver for 25? Well, look, I think Ryan Williams is about as talented as I've seen in a while. And I think DeCorian Moore is um, uh, uh, the best receiver, uh, the top receiver prospect in the state, regardless of class. Um, I think those two guys with Jeremiah Smith in 2024, I think those three guys are the best I've seen. Um, I'd give a little edge to Ryan Williams over to Corey Moore. That doesn't mean this is over. They're 2025s. I think Ryan Williams show with ball in hand is pretty special. It'd be more like a running back almost after the catch, Jerry. I mean, I know he's fleet footed, but he, he has that vision and feel. He has that instinct, right? Of setting up a block of feeling it and seeing it way out in front of him, two split seconds away. So yeah, he's kind of got that running back to your point vision an instinct with the ball in his hand, but what, he is a six foot one, 175 pound wideout. What about DeCorey Moore? What, what are his strengths? DeCorey Moore is interesting. Um, <laughs> there was a number of college coaches at Duncanville the day I was there and he was late coming out for practice because track season had, had, uh, had ended. Um, and when he got out there, a power five offensive coordinator looked at me after the first route and he said, he just moves different. And it was kind of, it's the thing, same thing you see with Evan Stewart. Those guys just move different. There's a little more explosive in everything you do. Um, and DeCorian, I think what makes him so good is I talk about the gear up, gear down. I think his gear up is unbelievable. His gear down is unbelievable. And his ability to gear up again and accelerate. I think that may be where he's a little different, like Evan Stewart was different from some other guys. Well, while we're on the subject some more, I want to jump over to this Super Chat, guys, from James Alexander. Thank you, James, again. And uh, he says the trio of Simmons, Moore, and Black to the same school. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I would say right now, no. Um, I mean, that right now, no. This is recruiting, though. We'll see what happens. Um, I think Texas is in a pretty good spot with Kobe Black right now. DeCorey Moore, obviously, 2025. There was some uh, – somebody maybe reported that he might commit August 10th. I was – unless the text I got this morning ends up being 100% incorrect, he's not expected to commit on August 10th. I can say that. So and you're, I, talking I, about, you're talking about uh, DeCorian Moore. DeCorian Moore, who is a uh, LSU, Texas top two with USC trying to make up ground. USC is the third team you hear about in that recruitment right now. Obviously, Texas A&M is trying as well. Okay, then that's going to lead me to Rich Thompson's Super Chat. And he says, what concerns me is currently we are sitting in, tw in the 20th spot in recruiting. 20th. Seems like we should be a lot higher than that. Well, I think the, the interesting thing with that is you have some of the highest ranked kids in the class um, 
are coming up with decisions. That's Colin Simmons. That's Dominic McKinley. That's Kobe Black. That's Brandon Baker. There's five-star Ryan Wingo out there. Um, there's Wardell Mack ranked in the top 100 in the country. Um, there's some there's some other guys on the board like that. That is kind of where you're at. Texas has to win a number of those battles, and then they're right there for in that 8 to 10 range. Um, that's really what we're down to. I think Texas has a solid class built right now. I think they've done very well at defensive line. I think they've addressed size unbelievably well with Alex January and DeAndre Robinson. Now it just comes down to how many of those other guys you're going to close on here. And remember, I say recruit through the whistle. Uh, people got to remember in 2022 in Sark's class, there was no Kelvin Banks, Cam Williams, Neto. There was not a lot of those guys at this point in the class. Uh, Texas will stay on their targets um, no matter what happens. And uh, I, I'll be surprised if Texas doesn't have a top 10 class this year. I, I'll, I'll, I'm staying with that. Well, we got another question for you, Jerry. This one from Frightening Truth. And uh, he says, I have a question for Jerry. This is very important, so be straight with me. Do we still have one or more silence? Look, I say this about silent commitments. Um, not every silent turns into a public commitment. So uh, does Texas still have a silent? Sure. Does that mean they, does that mean they will in two weeks? I don't know. <laughs> Well, let's uh, look ahead a little bit here. This from Harris Howard about recruiting. Do y'all think that if we beat Alabama, the recruiting dominoes will fall? I saw that earlier. I'm glad you brought that up. I think it's a great question. So in recruiting for me, games like that are the year ahead. It's the class, the next class. It's the 25 class. It's the 26 class. Um, this season on the field, I mean, unless Texas runs off a miraculous season. But, right, you know, if you say Texas is 10-3 and three this year, right, ranked number nine or 10 in the country, I think the Hayes pretty much in the barn with the 24 class at that point. But what a win like that can do is really boost you for the following classes. Now, unless you falter on the field like Texas A&M did, there's the caveat. You can't sit there and turn around and falter on the field right after you have the biggest win you've had in a while. If Texas beats Bama – and they hit that 10-11 win type of season, right, it really can help vault you in 25 and 26, especially the timing of moving into the SEC. And it won't hurt you late, by the way. No. <laughs> it won't hurt you on some guys that maybe when, – when there is a coaching carousel type of move, Jerry, it, it won't necessarily hurt you late. Right. All right, guys. We got a couple of super chats here from Jay the Activist. Hey, and I'm hey gonna, uh, I'm gonna, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Blake. I, oh. I need to say thank you to our, our sponsor, if you don't mind real quick, bud. Yeah, go ahead. All right. um, on Texas Football Sunday Night Live Stream is brought to you by the Cross Oak Group and our friends over there. Uh, Cross Oak is one of the leading government, government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the state house. To the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to crossoakgroup.com. That's www.crossoakgroup.com. We appreciate their ongoing sponsorship of the Sunday night live streams. All right, guys. Jay, the activist, uh, his first super chat is will mobile quarterbacks be our kryptonite again this year? And then on a very related note, 
it says, are there any quarterbacks that we play that scare you? I, I, I'll say this. Um, it's everybody's kryptonite that plays sound defense. It, it really is. Um, uh, so I, I feel like Jalen Milrow uh, as a runner would, would scare you a little bit, but not necessarily as a thrower, even though he has a howitzer for an arm. He just not a great thrower yet. Um, Jalen Daniels is the one that is kind of that guy for me a little bit, but I don't know that they're going to want to run him as much as they did a year ago. Um, and then the, the guy at Kansas State, Will Howard, really functional runner, right? Jerry, any of those guys, you're thinking that, that as a runner – you can't um, think they're gonna. They're not gonna run Dylan Gabriel that well, much. Well, I'll tell you, Donovan Smith at Houston. Okay, yeah, there I, you go. I mean, with Dana Holgerson's game planning, play calling, he might be a guy. I mean, look, one of the things I was looking at earlier, and I actually talked to somebody this week, and um, the thought on Houston is they're gonna be better than maybe people think, or they're more confident in the pieces they've added than people think out of the portal. So. If they can put the right guys around Donovan Smith, maybe he's a guy that gives enough people trouble to where they upset a team or two. I'm not saying Texas. Um, I think Texas is going to have too much on the lines for um, U of H. Uh, by the way, somebody's talking about uh, the Sadir Mitchell talk, and somebody might have said he's in the doghouse. We have not heard that. In fact, I was told this morning that Sadir Mitchell's uh, looking better than he did in the spring, for what it's worth. There you go, right there. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Okay, guys, well, let's get, and again, plenty of time to get your questions in. Please do so. And by the way, we would appreciate if you do like and subscribe. It would be very much appreciated. And so let's get to this next question from Freshwater Cajun. He says, last year, Quinn was a rookie and we lacked wide receiver depth. If Texas were to fall short this year, how would it happen? An ability to adapt, injury bug. What are y'all's thoughts on that? Injury. I, I really think, I mean, th this team has too many guys. I'm not even sure, like, God forbid, something like Xavier Worthy goes down. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know that one player, right? Baron Sorrell would be one of those guys that I think has to stay healthy. Um, beyond that, maybe Jaron Thompson needs to stay healthy. Jalen Cattle. I mean, I don't know. Um, it would definitely be, uh, it would definitely be one of those positions where we know Jalen Ford goes down. You lose such an impact player. Uh, but I, it'd have to be, I, I don't think it's going to be inability to adapt. 
let's throw that one out because they're in the third year. Most of these players are in their second or third year of their this system, so they they're going to be able to, to adapt. Um, I think the one that that uh, it doesn't give you a chance sometimes is injury because there's no coming back from that, right? Or, or not until the next year. And speaking of wide receiver depth, Kabir Hussein says, do we have two 1,000-yard receivers this year, and who? You know what I'm going to say, guys? I'm, I'm saying no because I think it's twofold. Um, Texas has more weapons this year, and with the running clock on first down, you're going to lose a possession a game. If you play a team that runs it effectively only, you're going to lose two possessions of offensive football. That's something else to consider. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I just think, look, you ha- if you stay healthy, you have A.D. Mitchell, you have Worthy, you have Whittington, you have Jatavion Sanders. Sark's already said he's going to mix in a few more guys into that rotation at wide receiver. Um, so, yeah, I don't see that. I mean, maybe, maybe Bobby does. But I think the best-case scenario is if you had three 800-yard receivers and a 700-yard wide uh, tied in, then that means you're really difficult to stop. I, I could see two 1,000-yard receivers, Jerry. I'm a little different. I, I could see Worthy and Mitchell at this point. Um, I, I don't think Whittington uh, or Nayor uh, or Cook or Moore will hit that, and I don't think the tight end, JT Sanders, will either. Um, don't forget, I mean, look, I wouldn't be surprised J- Jonathan Brooks has 350, 400, 400 yards receiving. Just telling you. They start getting this passing game going. You don't know what's, what's going to happen because they'll just start spreading you out because these receivers are legit. I, I have no of, – of all the things I saw this week, this past week at practice, the receivers are unquestionably legit. The offensive line is stacked. Um, they're still a little young, even though they've got a year, full years of experience behind them. The group as a whole is still young, but they got some guys coming. Um, those are the things I know. And then the, the QB room is just ridiculous. Okay, guys, we got a super chat here from Justin Yarbrough. And he says, where do y'all see Justice Justice Finkley's role going from here? I'm sure he'll play a lot being the number three guy. Has he hit a plateau? Also, could he be a similar guy as to Jeb Bush going possibly moving to linebacker? Um, he is. He could be that backup to, to, to uh, Baron Sorrell at Jack. And I think that he's going to run both sides. Uh, he's a smart player. He's a he's a high energy, high high motor guy. Um, you you know that you're going to get full effort from him. Um, I don't see him being the jet going to the jet bush role and playing middle linebacker though. That's just not he. That's just not who he is or what he does. Uh, so that that would be my my thought. Has he has he hit a plateau or? I don't know if it's a plateau so much as how how much was he maximized coming into high school, uh, coming into college because he came in and we talked about this guys he came in as ready to play right away as anybody last year I mean he physically was that guy um, in in the weight room on defense so um, it, it's more that I mean it, does he have more. Does he have more to, to do, more to progress to right now? And I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. 
Well, we got some more Super Chats, guys, that I want to go ahead and get to. Uh, and I hope I'm saying this right. P3APTMH asks, there's no way we have the same interior starting group on the offensive line, right? Especially going to 11 personnel, move focus to run between the tackles, need people movers, not get-in-your-way blockers. What's y'all's thoughts? I think DJ Campbell's got a great chance to start. Yeah, I, I think – I think- I'm just going to say P3 and, and not try to do all of that. <laughs> I, I think P3 has the right idea. Yeah. Um, that's right. that's what he's getting at. Um, I, I will say this, uh, like Cole Hudson, and I've said this before, he moves people. Hayden Connor is the one that kind of gets in the way of people some, or did last year more. So what does that mean? I, I, I don't know. If, if they start going to power run, I, I have a hard time – not playing Neto or DJ Campbell, not just one or the other. I mean, I Neto can move people, guys. I mean, he, he is quick yes. and he's got long arms and he stays on people. So and he wants to whip your ass, <laughs> <laughs> which is a that's a major key component. Uh, by the way, somebody asked about Gary Patterson. Bobby nor myself expect Gary Patterson to be at Texas as of today. And by the way, we'll see if it ever changes. But right now, we don't think so. Real quick, I want to say P3, I noticed you put in two Super Chats. One of them was blank. So if you'll get in your second question, I will make sure to get to that. We don't want to get your other one uh, lost in the shuffle there. We also had a question question about uh, this channel doesn't talk about Jalen Ford enough. And uh, um, look, there we go. Um, <laughs> no respect. No respect. Um, look, Jalen Ford, I think is going to be. I don't know what else to say. There was a question on Inside Texas about it this week, and I said I think he's the best linebacker at Texas since Derek Johnson. And people were like, "Whoa, Jordan Hicks." Jordan Hicks was hurt a lot at Texas. Um, Jalen Ford's a damn good football player now. If you haven't, he's an instinctive player. I think he's a leader type of player. Um, and I think he's a guy that is, has done everything he can to maximize his talent, and maximizing his talent is going to make him a very wealthy guy, assuming he stays healthy. I think he's a tremendous player and the preseason deserving of the preseason Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Jerry, that doesn't sound like shade to me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that distinctly does not sound like shade. Um, I will say this. Um, from listening to him talk now at Big 12 Media Days and then in person down in Austin both times, um, he's he's on a little bit of a mission. You, you know how you can and get Jerry uses the term contract year, but you never had to worry about that. I don't think with the hundred percent effort no. from Jalen Ford, this is a little bit different. He fe- he seems I'd call it singularly focused on kicking butt. So no. that's the mentality i hear i don't hear any bs out of him pretty straightforward answers and that may be why frankly he doesn't get a lot of love it's because he's not lighting up the quote machine right it it, it's that's part of it but uh texas has got i don't know if he's the best linebacker since Derek johnson those are large words i'd have to think about it more but he's certainly a really really talented player somebody asked a good player Somebody asked for a score prediction for the OU game. Well, it won't be as bad as last year, so I'll say 49-3. Oh, shit. <laughs> We're just having fun. Hey, a question from a question from the Inside Texas message board, Blake, I want to get to real yes, quick. Sir. 
Aaron Bryan's development is a pretty big part of the story for Texas next year and possibly this year if Collins still hasn't taken the next step. I go back. I, I do think that Collins had a good practice last night or yeah, last night. Where is he now? Does he have NFL potential? What did Jerry think of him out of high school? Thanks. Well, I think it's a great question in, in a larger scope too. Aaron Bryant is really good against the run. Bobby and I have said that that is his strength. He's gained about 20 pounds since he's got the Texas. He's going to be more of a guy who plays plays more snaps against the run and rundowns. I don't think he's going to be that pass rusher, disruptive guy that's flushing quarterbacks from the pocket. I don't think that's what he is. He was a low four-star prospect. I, I thought he was a solid guy. I saw him at the Alabama-Mississippi practices. Um, and, and I think all those things that we've kind of talked about um, have, have kind of run, rang true since he's been at Texas. Thing is, he just needs time to develop physically. Um, and where that gets to a bigger um, kind of discussion is Dre Bledsoe's been coming on here these first few practices in Austin, and he's 15 pounds heavier. So some of these guys, they still need time to develop. And I think that's the hardest thing is Texas fans are looking at, okay, if Byron Murphy has a good enough year where he goes pro, you know Sweat's gone and Alfred Collins is gone. Man, what's Texas going to do next year on the interior defensive line? Well, Troy Carter's there two years. You have Aaron Bryant, who would be in his third year in the program. You have Sadir Mitchell being a second year to program. You'd have Jare Bledsoe in his third year of the program, who has as much talent as anybody. Um, I mean, legitimately as much talent as anybody. He's just got to get there. And then you have freshman guys like Alex January, DeAndre Robinson, We'll see if Texas adds another guy in this class or out of the portal. So I, I think this the interior defensive line has to be looked at as a developmental position still. It takes these guys time, whether it's physically or to learn to be more than an anchor player. Uh, before we move on, guys, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody about the Crossout Group again. Yep, absolutely. Uh, the Sunday Night Live stream is brought to you by uh, the Crossout Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. That's www crossoakgroup.com. We appreciate their uh, sponsorship of the Sunday night live stream on Texas football. Two things. One guy, somebody's asking about Jamon Tap update. Mm -hmm. Good question. Um, look, I was told he's flashes. He flashes still. That's a long way away from being um, consistent, right? And again, he came out of high school very raw, very raw. So did Jare Bledsoe. These guys are on a different developmental path. I think Jare Bledsoe is ahead of Tap in that path right now. Tap needs to make some gains, but he's been called a guy that continues to flash. Somebody asked um, about Arch Manning. If he's not starting next year, is he a bust? I mean, I, oh. I, 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 I don't, I, I don't know what to say. I, I don't no, know. no, Arch is, <laughs> that's, Arch, that's not going to happen, Arch guys. I got news for you. There's some people that bought some uh, some bad press on that one. All right, guys. Uh, P3 got his super chat in that was blank earlier, so I want to get to it real quick. 
He says, I love Jay Witt, but I don't see how you don't line up with AD and Nayor on the outside and Worthy in the moving slot position. Would that not make the most dangerous offensive personnel? It could. It could, but you would have to double, you'd have to cross train AD Mitchell or Nayor at another spot, and they're not doing it as of right now. And I think, yeah, I think the other thing is, uh, we're, we, then we're underestimating DeAndre Moore. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I think he's talking about the three guys. Right. Because I, I want to say this. I mean, those are the three. And, and Jonte Cooks, we, we like him a lot. We like DeAndre Moore a lot. We we like Jordan Whittington, too. But to his point, you have Worthy, Nayor, and Mitchell. You know those three can take the top off of defense, right? Why would you not add him and, and try to figure that out? And my my response is they might be doing that eventually. Right. The first three practices they didn't, and they may not have done. I don't. I didn't hear that they did it in the fourth practice. So that being said, where this ends up, I don't know. But to your point, those are the three adults or experienced guys get, that could take the top off that I kind of agree with at some levels. I mean, that if you ran vert, three verts, with, I agree with that. I, I mean, with, that. If you ran three verts with, with JT Sanders running a seam, good luck. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to have four safeties? I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I agree with that as well. I, uh, by the way, Vincente Gonzalez asked, is Alfred Collins practicing? Well, I think he got into the chat after we addressed this early, which happens. Um, yeah. Alfred Collins actually, Bobby and I were both kind of heard the same thing. Saturday was a really good one for him. And uh, they feel like he's a different player right now. So we'll see if he can carry that over the games because that's really the consistency. I'm a broken record, but we'll see. No, I mean, Jerry, this is the reality. We just talked about it. I mean, I didn't – I was like, look, he doesn't look like he's supposed to look. He should be – this is a fourth year. He's supposed to be everything. And then I, I heard he killed it yesterday. So – that's, you know, one, whether it's true or whether that is a consistent marker or not to Jerry's point and mine, we'll see. I mean, if we're still hearing his name a week from now, a week and a half from now, I think we have our answer. Fourth practice only. Let, let's see. Uh, I'm going to knock out a couple more super chats, guys. Then I want to take a question from the board. This first one is actually a comment from UT Boy. He says, Thanks, Bobby, Jerry, Blake, Matthew, et cetera. Inside Texas for life. See you at the John Tay Cook draft party. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say this. Uh, this is a good time. Fellas, you guys don't know uh, a guy that is behind the scenes for us is a guy named Matthew Hutchison. Uh, and he has been our producer from, I guess it's been more than a year now. I uh, just wanted to give him a shout out and say thank you uh, because he's the one that keeps us all going Absolutely. all the time, uh, et, et cetera. So thanks, Matt. Matt's the best. Definitely. I got this next one. Robert Muhammad, offensive and defensive position group you're not worried about. I uh, at, On offense, I'm not worried about offensive tackle, quarterback, running back, tight end, or wide receiver. I'm not worried about, and I'm not really he just named all the teams. <laughs> I'm not really worried about guard, uh, defense. I'm not worried about interior D line, middle backer, safeties, or corner. 
I was just going to write, I was going to like write one position group each. Oh, and I'm not worried about punter, or kicker, or coverage, or return. <laughs> I saw too much of Joe D. Camillus for two open practices to be concerned about returns. He's going to be on it, isn't he, Jerry? Yes. Yeah. Um, My I, feet the, were moving just watching him. Yeah. I mean, it's serious. Like, Jerry and I both, I think, agree on that one. It was a, uh, it was different. Um, I will say that, that if I could only pick one group on offense, it'd be wide receiver. One group on defense, I'm going to be a little different. I'm going to go with cornerback. I think they've got three high-level starters yep. at cornerback, and then they've got a young guy in Malik or Manny Muhammad who I think has a ton of talent. All right. Well, this one from all the way across the Pacific, guys, Chad Barner. Thank you, Chad. He says, hello from South Korea. Hot take. I think UT goes to Alabama and wins by 10. With uncertainty at quarterback and early week two matchup, don't see them being ready. And, Jerry, I know you said you'd rather have them early than late. Rather have them early than late. And I think this is going to be such an interesting game because this Bama's going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to control the clock, win the game with defense, keep the Texas offense off the field. But here's the thing, too. Nick Saban's done this a long time. This is where that running clock on first downs. If you're effective running the ball, you can condense the game and not getting into one of these. And I don't think – I think Nick Saban's smart enough to know he doesn't have the same personnel he did when he was winning these at wide receiver running back and maybe depth of offensive line and young quarterback. So this is going to be interesting to me, Bobby, to see can somebody control a game on the ground enough to where they don't kill one team opponents, uh, one opponent possession offensively, but maybe two. Then this is going to be learning for all of us watching how this is going to go. I think I'm pretty, I, 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 first of all, thanks for joining us from South Korea. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what day it is there. Is it, <laughs> is it Monday or is it Saturday there? I, I don't know which way the date line goes. Um, but uh, thanks for joining us, Chad. Um, I, I, Going to Alabama and winning, I think the recipe for that, guys, to Jerry's point, is getting out to a lead quickly. Yeah. Um, so that Alabama sees that they – Alabama feels a little forced to do something different. Uh, because if they just sit back there and try to pound the rock, it might be a long night in Tuscaloosa. All right, guys. We're going to jump over to an InsideTexas.com question on the message boards. And um, let's see here if I can find it. It's from C.O.S. Longhorn. And he says, how do you think the touches in the running back room break down this season? I think that's a great question, Bobby. I want to, I want to throw a question to you on this to start. Coming out of the spring, we were kind of talking about Savion Red and then potential impact he could have after having a really good spring at running back. Obviously, he's a little behind now, um, and he's got a little ground to make up, right? Um, how do, are your thoughts different now than they were after the spring game, knowing kind of what we know? Yes. Yeah, mine too. I, I, I worry that they feel like they may not be able to rely on him. Yep. Uh, he was going in the right direction, and then some things happened, and now the question is, can they, can they rely on him? And I, I don't know the answer uh, to that. I would say that right now we're looking at 50 to 60% uh, Jonathan Brooks and then everybody else 40 to 50% of carries. That's that's kind of what I'm looking at. Uh, I want to see if Jonathan Brooks, though, can carry that kind of load. He hasn't done it in college. He 
unquestionably did it in in high school playing both ways every down. I mean, so uh, this is a little bit more physical uh, in college. So I want to see what he can do there. Hey, Blake, I don't think we need to read the question. I just want to answer Jarrett Johnson. Let me check on that. Should be pretty early into the uh, season for those 2025 prospects. All right. Well, let's jump over to football junkies question. Over or under eight plus interceptions for defense and 30 plus sacks. And thank you for the super chat, by the way. Wait, I think that I think I would go over on both. I think they're going to be better uh, across the board. I think they'll be better getting pressure, getting people to the ground, getting their hands on the quarterback. I worry a little bit about the run defense uh, right now uh, more than I do the, the getting after the quarterback. Now, uh, can they manage that with guys like Trill Carter? Now, I'm, I'm just telling you, y'all are going to be thankful, very, very thankful that Trill Carter is a Longhorn, okay? Because he's going to plug some holes. He's going to eat some snaps in a, in a high-quality way. So he's not perfect. He's not a first-round draft pick. He's not a five-star, but he plays hard, and he's going to eat – I'm telling you, he's going to eat some – eat some snaps for Texas at a important position overall, though, I would go over on both of those, Jerry. Yeah, I think uh, I'd go over on the INTs and maybe a couple under on the sacks. They had like 27 last year, Jerry. That's true. So I don't be saying one improvement. <laughs> uh, Jay, the activist, does Xavier worthy get 300 yards <laughs> on the trail McCutcheon this time? Well, um, Hmm. <laughs> uh, you're thinking about it? That's a lot, Jerry. Well, I mean, that would mean he has a thousand yard season, and I already said no to that uh, for two wide outs. Um, well, I'll say this if he gets 300 on Latrell McCutcheon, he's going to be a first round pick because guys that do that generally have great years and go in the first round. <laughs> he's Bobby, at U of, he's at U of H now, right? Correct. I said, I had to, he's in former Austin LBJ. What I need to do is ask Matthew Golden if he's got 300 on him in a practice, and then I'll have my answer. <laughs> That's a good question. No, I mean, I'm just thinking to myself. So he was at Austin LBJ, uh, the uh, teammate of Makuba, the safety yeah. that went to Clemson, has, has played well for them. Uh, signed with OU, got lit up by Worthy. Uh, he's the one that, that uh, Worthy ran by on that 70-yard touchdown on the first touch. Uh, then he went to USC. Did not do well there. Now he's at U of H. Um, I don't know about 300, but somebody's going to get some on him because everybody, you know, I, look, Texas is going to be able to throw the ball, guys. How well is to be determined, but they're going to be able to throw the ball. All right. This question from Jake Riddle. Do you think we see more scrambling from Quinn? No, we don't want him to run, but I feel like he needs to keep some plays alive by rolling out of the pocket. I would prefer to see him step into the pocket. Yes. He's not super – like, he's not a scrambler. He's not no. Patrick Mahomes. No. Like, right? That's That would be my comment on that. But I do think he's I, – I think he needs to step up and feel the pocket a little bit better. All right. Let's see here. Uh Oh, I just lost. Oh, there it is. Hook them from OKC. Bobby or Jerry, do you think Sark needs to implement the running back in the passing game more? Seems like when plays break down, there isn't a check down player. I'll tell you my thought on this, uh, Bobby, real quick is 
if you have more of a vertical passing game this year versus last year, you're stretching the defense vertically. I think that opens up possibilities in the running for running backs, in the flats, in the short routes, and gets those guys more opportunities. I think last year the field was really condensed. Think about what Sark said, the tight end screens they had to run. They didn't have that ability to stretch the defense truly vertically like Sark wants. If they have that ability, running backs could really be the benefactor of that. Hey, uh, just so you know, uh, Trey Gifford asked real quick, was Xavier Worthy real hurt a lot last year? Um, genuinely, I knew about it during the season, but could not say anything. He had a cast on his hand during the season, guys. Um, so I, could, I can't report stuff like that because I just couldn't. Um, but long story short, it was very real. He had a broken bone in his hand. He didn't want to. He doesn't want to uh, announce it at that time. Sark kept it quiet because he felt like uh, if if he told people, they wouldn't pay as much attention to him, which would then have Bijan more congested than he already was. Uh, if you saw the Oklahoma State and um, the Oklahoma State and TCU games, you saw what happens when Xavier got taken out of the game entirely uh, for at least a half. That that's that's the function. He was really injured. Um, that's that's just a legitimate issue. Let's talk about DKR for a second. Francisco Rodriguez says, "Will there be natural grass within two years? And if or if not, when?" I hope um, so. Yeah, I, I, CDC says. I would. I obviously this isn't a question for me. It's for Chris Del Conte, the athletic director. Uh, but having talked with him, that is his goal. Is it two years? Is it? One and a half. I, I don't know. Is it you know twenty twenty five? I don't know. Well, does it does it does right. it have to fall in line with when the new indoor practice facility is built? Because right now, because you won't really be able to practice on the game field if it's grass. Yeah, I I don't think that has to do anything with right. it right now because they're going to keep the other one open right. uh, for the time being until the other one's ready. But that that is a good question from a timing perspective. I just I think that uh, they're going that direction. I think Chris Del Conte thinks that's that's how he wants to play football in the future. How it all times out, though, throw the ju juggle the balls up in the air and try to figure it out yourself. I right now we don't know Francisco. Okay, we are a little behind on super chats, guys. So I'm going to load up a few more here. This one from Robert Muhammad. Thank you, Robert. He says, "Thinking of starting a show like the ones I watch, like yours, with some friends who like other college teams. What advice can you give me?" Um, don't do Mac conferences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and there I maybe have weird. one great Mac conference show. I don't know. <laughs> my, my, mine would be find some people that really know what they're talking about. Because I, I think a lot of us, uh, you know, find some people that other people want to want to make sure they know what they're talking about and, and have some context and stuff like that. I think that's the best, best way. You can only be authentic if you really know it. Jerry, you got anything to add besides the match? I think that pretty much nailed it. So I guess this is my last show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay, Kabir Hussein here says, does Arch factor into 25 slash 26 wide receivers committing to us? I think possibly, but I think winning games is more so this year. I, I, I really believe that. I think it's overall – is the offense of style of football, a, a fun, exciting style of offense that throws the ball vertically. 
intermediate. Guys score touchdowns at the receiver position. They have a chance to make big plays. I think all of that tends to factor in. Um, winning number one, um, but having a great quarterback room of guys who are looked at as big-time recruits, future draft picks, always helps your wide receiver recruiting. When you can combine an offensive mind like Sark with a good quarterback room and an exciting style of offense in the SEC, I definitely think that helps with wide receiver uh, recruiting. And I, I think I, I, I sent Bobby into the stratosphere with that last <laughs> Maybe it was Bobby Burton's last show. <laughs> I was like, man, he's frozen there. Bobby man. went out on top for real. Dang. Oh, I got you back in there. All right. We're going to go to this one from Britt Rasco. Thank you, Britt. And let me get to his question. It says, besides the situation where they were behind late, can you foresee any time Sark may go five wide just to give the opposing defensive coordinator a coronary? I think they're going to show that more than people think. But it won't be the traditional five wide like everybody's thinking of. It may be they may come out with an 11 personnel look. All of a sudden they flex out. They flex out Jatavian Sanders. And then they motion out Jonathan Brooks or Keelan Robinson or Cedric Baxter, somebody like that, and all of a sudden it's it's different. So I, that's where I'm at, guys, with that. I, I think they're going to do some of that uh, more than maybe other people might think. Oh, man, some of these comments in the chat are killing me. Okay, another super chat, Kyle Witherspoon. Thank you, Kyle. He says, how many touchdowns and interceptions for Quinn this year? Also, is UT boy actually Jonte Cook in disguise blowing his NIO money on Super Chats? I hope so to point to. Come on, bring it. Um, <laughs> no, it's not Jonte Cook. I will say that. Um, I, we've said well, it's, Kyle, it's not Jonte Cook the second. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I want to say this. Uh, the TDs to interceptions ratio. I, 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 the bare minimum that I want to see is four to one. Um, that that's the one that that matters to me. Something like thirty-two and eight, or twenty-eight and seven, something like that would be really, really good for Texas. And with that, um, I don't think what what I would say to you is if that means that he's not going to have these multiple bad games. If you start getting into thirty-six and twelve, right? That's too many ints, Jerry. Yeah. And that's what Texas can't have from Quinn Ewers. They can't just, I mean, Colt McCoy had a bad sophomore year in many respects. I think he threw what 11 picks, Jerry, something like that. Mm -hmm. They can't, they don't need that from Quinn this year. He's, he needs to be more, he's got more pieces to distribute the ball to. So he needs to be an effective distributor. I agree hundred percent. Okay, guys, uh, Jerry, I've actually seen this question asked a few times. So I want you to hit on it real quick. Hook them from OKC says McKinley update. Yep, I wrote about that on Inside Texas today, uh, Sunday recruiting thoughts. Um, look, Dominic McKinley is going to decide uh, before his senior season or around the first game of his senior season. Um, everything I was hearing coming out of June remains the same. Uh, the schools he officially visited, Texas and Oklahoma, uh, were the top two, meaning A&M was third. Ohio State's not going to get him um, or is not expected to get him. He visited LSU July 27th. I think they made up some ground, but I don't think there's a strong feeling around the Katiana High that McKinley uh, commits to LSU here before the senior season. Um, just where would Texas have an advantage over Oklahoma if Texas were to win the recruitment? 
It would be the academic athletic combination and within driving distance for the family, for his mom um, and his little brother, who's going to be a sophomore to Kadiana this year. I think that could be a, a factor that helps Texas. I think the other thing is if he leaves Louisiana, it's nothing against LSU. It's not that he doesn't like LSU. It's like he just wants to do something different for his college experience. He wants to be somewhere else and get a different experience. And that happens with the guys in the state of Texas that leave. It happens with the guys in the state of Louisiana that leave um, and everywhere else. I mean, you know, that's part of DeAndre Robinson uh, picking Texas is development of Bo Davis and wanting to do something different because Cedric Baxter and Peyton Kirkland told him they made great decisions. So I think that's where it's at. I think Bo Davis has done very well in that recruitment. I can tell you that Steve Sarkeesian and Bo Davis talked with McKinley and the family last week. The communication's been great. All right, good good stuff there. Okay, 817 My Guy Loth comes in with the Super Chat, and he says, up on Trey Wisner. We appreciate you guys. Um, he actually worked a little at punt return. Uh, he wasn't in the top four group, but he and Ryan Niblett also took some turns on uh, Friday evening. Uh, he's working out at running back right now. Uh, he looks not surprising, guys. He looks good in pass in the pass game. Um, he does not have the physical build of a normal college running back right now. He's a little thin. Uh, but you know what? I mean, Jamal Charles was thin as a freshman, too. I'm not making that comparison. It's just, you know, some guys can, can take it and some guys will have to see uh, if his ability – outweighs his his uh, uh strength uh, early on but uh he he's he looks good he just looks like he needs some more college weight put on without losing his speed and quickness he has more quickness for example than Cedric Baxter I mean there's no doubt about that so th there there's a reason to shard choice took the two running backs he did in my opinion they they are absolutely different and then we have another super chat here from Ryan Nelson. Thank you, Ryan. He says, Neto, Jake, uh, DJ becomes a plus unit. Your thoughts on that? I, I think they're going to be a plus unit either way. I think that if they – look, I'm a I, – I just – those guys, Neto and, and DJ, for run blocking, have a chance to be really, really good and play football for a very, very long time. I – not saying Cole Hudson and Hayden Connor don't because they, they, I mean, Cole Hudson started as a true freshman. Let's be really clear about that. He's got some, he's got a little something in his neck too, right? Just athletically, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I, I still think that Cole eventually becomes the center um, and makes, starts making a, making a quasi transition at some point this year where he starts getting some in game reps. Uh, not exactly sure how that looks, but that's my thought process. All right, we have time for just a few more questions. This one from David Williams. He says, it absolutely made no sense for Xavier Worthy to be returning punts with a broken bone in his hand. Why risk your best wide receiver further injuring himself with all the contact he faced returning punts? Um, most of the time, he only he didn't return that many late in the season, by the way. Uh, I don't know if y'all remember that. He only re returned, I think, three post a I can't remember the date, but long story short, they trusted his hands with a broken hand more than they trusted Deshaun Jameson's. Deshaun Jameson, he had a, he is a tremendous returner, right? When he actually attacks the ball and catches it in the air. If you all remember correctly, in 2021, Jameson had a really tough time judging the ball in air, dropped a couple, 
and then also let a few drop in front of him that went for another rolled for another 10, 15, 20 yards. And that's why that made more sense, David, uh, to that to the coaching staff. They they trusted Xavier Worthy more. And by the way, Worthy only had 15 punt returns all season. That's that's what I'm saying. It wasn't a yeah, it, it wasn't all of that, David. Okay, 817, my guy lost, put in another super chat, guys. He says, am I reading into Neto's playing time being a big factor in his brother's recruitment? Seems like they may be tied together. Jerry? Key factor. I do think there's some of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think as uh, Neto's happy at Texas, I think playing more this year makes him takes him on a tra- different trajectory. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the parents are very happy with the academic-athletic combination. Um, that Neto's experience as he's been at Texas, and the more he plays, the better. And we have a super chat comment, Robin Michelle Roberts. I want to thank Robin for that. He says, remind the chat to smash like. Also, protect Bobby at all costs. <laughs> Let's preach. <laughs> preach on that, Robin. I appreciate it. Hey, Blake, I, before before I know we're getting into this a little late here, but I want people that you were you were cleaning out your mom's house today. Correct. I want you, Matt, put him on the big screen here. Oh god. I want people to see what he got out of his mom's house today. If you can see this, go ahead and put Found it. Found this in a box. And I'm gonna try to get it up there closely. This is oh, from wow. 1973. I didn't fill this with Dr. Pepper, obviously. It's still filled. 1973 Red River game, uh, from September 13th on the back, which you really can't tell but it has every score from 1900 to 1972. And um, yeah, it, I kind of did some research on it. And apparently they sold those at that October 13th, 1973 game. It was a commemorative deal. You had to pay extra for it. Uh, but I, I may have the only unopened one in America <laughs> <laughs> sitting right here. And that, Jerry, that- I'll pay you 10 bucks to drink it. No, well, I was going to say, let's if we could get Earl Campbell to autograph it, uh, Panini could probably sell that for about four, 400 grand for uh, the Texas One Fund. <laughs> hey, I, I'll say this, Blake. When you showed me that, I was like, is that real? And then I thought to myself, how old is the soda in that? I mean, it's 50 be- years. <laughs> so old, I would still drink it because <laughs> I'm an addict. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, guys. We have a super chat here, uh, and it's, it's going to be kind of a two-parter. It's from Jeremy Schmidt. And Jeremy says, to the three of you, who's your favorite player on the 23 team? Oh, man. He's trying to make us all get hated here. Uh, <laughs> I, so here's mine. I'll go first. Um, I like Byron Murphy. And Jalen Ford's right there. And here's why. I love Byron Murphy because he was a guy who was never the most highly recruited on his high school team. That was Shamar Turner. Jonte Cook was a freshman on that team. Um, So he's had that chip on his shoulder. And he's used it correctly. And now he's coming into his third year of college. And he has never been the most talked about guy. And he continues just to work so hard. I think when Steve Sarkeesian talks about the culture that he wants at Texas, I think that guy's a front and center guy for it. Um, I think that is really what he's talking about. 
Um, and for that reason, it's Byron Murphy for me because it's also this. Texas is developing talent under Steve Sarkeesian and staff. Guys like this come into Texas and they get drafted second, third, fourth round. That's a big deal for the Texas staff. So I think he fits twofold for me is he's he is the guy Sark's talking about with culture. And two, he's those guys, if this program develops them in the mm-hmm. NFL draft picks, they're going to have really good seasons and they're going to recruit really well because uh, that is just some – those are two things that you have to have in your program. Kelvin Banks, for me, I, I just think – I mean, when it's, when it's all said and done, I'm not sure um, – I'm not sure he's not the best player in the Big 12. Could be. Very well. I'm going to say Sanders just because when's the last time Texas has had a dominant tight end? What, you have to go back to Blaine Irby? And no, that's not dominant. But Blaine wasn't dominant. Well, I, he was on his way, I guess you could say, and before the injury. <laughs> he was, he was, or the, not maybe not dominant, but the one that, you know, really stood out. I mean, it's been such bland tight end play for a decade or more, <laughs> obviously more than a decade. And so I'm going to go with Sanders. Um, just I, I really like watching him play. And, you know, like I said, I mean, it's just been a position and need for Texas for so long. It's nice to have somebody step up there. I'll tell you, you this, Blake, when he took the mic at the post-practice press conference, if anybody hadn't watched that, they should watch it. He came across extremely well. Extremely well for a program that's ascending. Yeah, I, he's Blake, you would have loved to see what he did. He caught a little slant, a skinny slant. And he just exploded through it. And I literally saw I, there were there were three um, NFL teams there watching practice on Friday night. You could see all. I mean, he turned a, he turned ahead there um, for sure. Uh, he has a little explosiveness to him, so I can understand why you would say that. All right, we got some more super chats. I know we're going long here, guys, but we got to get to these. Jay Morrison, what's an acceptable record for Texas to keep their allure for recruiting? Also, how much impact will it have on these recruiting battles with LSU and AM? Um, look, I think you know, look, here's the thing: you got to keep ascending. I think we all have 10 wins kind of circled. You know, you went from five to eight. If you jump to 10, that probably means you're a top 10 ranked program at the end of the season. I think that's a great third step for Sarkeesian in year three. Um, if you go nine and four and you have some injuries or something like that, you're still ascending. And if your product's really good on the field, but I think 10 wins takes you to another level and the recruiting battles. Again, I think that helps future years. Um, I, I really do not. a and needs to have a bounce back season on the field this year, by the way, um, that, that needs to happen uh, for them. Um, you know, LSU, I, just, I think they're going to be good under Brian Kelly. All right, two more questions, guys. One's a super chat from Dax Kelm. He says, who will have a better overall season, Collins or Sweat? Against the run, Sweat. Big plays behind the line of scrimmage, Collins. Did I dance around that enough? Yeah, I'm going to go with Sweat. Um, He's such a load. Um, And for for people – and the other thing that that goes unnoticed about uh, Tavondre Sweat, he did a good, good job last year of getting his hands up in the passing lanes. Yeah. Um, I think that now, you know, y'all are going to say Alfred Collins comes back and gets six sacks this year. And everybody's going to say, I told you so. 
I think that Tavondre Sweat's going to have a, a good year, and I can count on it, if that makes sense. That's why I'm going with Tavondre Sweat. And by the way, just something to point out when we talk about this, because people will be looking at stats. If Sweat and Byron Murphy start, that helps Halford Collins off the bench because he's got fresh legs and he's rolling against somebody who's already played a series or parts a series. So Alfred Collins should have a really disruptive year. If he's not, then he hasn't taken that step. Good point, Jerry. Okay, guys, we're going to end this on a programming question. Scott B says, IT staff, enjoy the content. Will the live stream schedule stay the same once the season starts? Will y'all be doing a pre and post game show? Bobby? The answer is yes to all of that. I mean, it's going to stay the same. We're, we're adding things as well. We'll do uh, both pre and post game shows. I don't know that it'll be exactly leading up to the game. Uh, it depends on what we decide to do there, but everything else uh, and more uh, coming. I, I said this last week, we've got some stuff coming up that I think everybody is really going to like, and hopefully uh, you've enjoyed the, the last couple of weeks as well, or last several months uh, that like we have uh, bring it to you guys like Blake coming aboard. Uh, also doing more live streams on Sunday night, et cetera, has been fun for everybody. Definitely. All right, y'all. Well, it was a very long one, but a very good one. I want to thank, uh, of course, Cross Oak Group for sure for sponsoring each and every Sunday. And then this is going to be a very long list, so please bear with me. But all the Super Chats, Rich Thompson, Major Alexander, UT Boy, James Alexander, um, Kabir Hussein, Triplet Joseph 44, KD35, I am the best. Opethian, Jay the Activist, P3, uh, Justin Yarbrough, Football Junkie, Robert Muhammad, Chad Barner, Francisco Rodriguez, Britt Roscoe, 817, My Guy Lost, Robin Michelle Roberts, Kyle Witherspoon, Jeremy Shid, Ryan Nelson, Jay Morrison, and last but not least, Dax Kelm. Thank you all so much for all your participation. Sorry we didn't get to everybody's questions tonight, but be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. And head on over to InsideTexas.com for the latest and greatest in all things Longhorns. And for Bobby and Jerry, I'm Blake, and we'll see you next time.